0: back to the New Growth Podcast, a place where we normalize the growth journey. I'm your host, Yvonne Nkiruka, and I am so glad that you are here with me today. Today, we have a very, very, very special guest. She's a dear friend. Her name is Mikal Jocelyn. So Mikal is an educator. She is a singer, She is a ministry leader, and most recently, she stepped into a new role as a full-time stay-at-home mother, and she's also a wife Mm -hmm. to a good friend of mine, Patrick. So, Nicole, (laughs) there's so much about you, but I wanted to give you an opportunity to share who you are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I am. Well, my background is from Eritrea. I'm Eritrean American and, you know, uh, grew up a little bit of everywhere. And so, um, you know, a lot of people call me a melting pot because I am. You know, I grew up in a little bit of New Jersey, a lot of Atlanta, ATL, shoddy, you know what I'm saying? And then a little bit of California and New York. And uh, yeah, life has just been a crazy journey. But As far as my gifts and occupation and things like that, I, you know, had a strong love for music in middle school and high school and went on to college to be a music education major. And I had a chance to teach in Georgia and in California for, I guess, like seven years total, maybe almost eight. And then, you know, I moved to New York. My sister invited me to come here and help her with her business. And that was really cool. Got a chance to dip my little toe, just a pinky, (laughs) just a pinky toe into the cosmetic industry, doing product development with her. And that was really cool. Um, Yeah. And and then along the journey, God had plans, right? I, I met you. And you introduced me to Mother thing <laughs> <Bang.
0: laughs>
1: and got married. And, you know, I also, uh, during that time, um, that same time, uh, dived nose first into ministry and helped lead and start a ministry here in Brooklyn um, where we did, we served and brought the gospel to teen moms, which is really cool. Um, and, yeah, so. Did that for some time and then had a baby.
0: <laughs> a beautiful baby.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yes, my baby girl, Nayel. And um, yeah, and so recently I made the decision to um, focus all of my attention on her and pouring into her. So I am uh, a stay-at-home mom, a, a psalm, just learned that that we're calling it that now. Or a Sami. Oh, a Sami? No, that's just my version, like a mommy, oh, but a Sami. Oh, Get it?
0: I, mean, I can't. <laughs> it literally just hit me. You've done so much, Mikal. Like your journey has taken you all over the United States. And you've taught, you've led ministries, you've been in the enterprise space, and now you're in a completely new role, which we're going to talk about even more, but I, I wanted to tell everyone how we actually met, because I think it's a really cool story. <laughs> I mean, it's just cool to me. I just love the fact yeah. that our worlds intertwine, but it was, it was mm-hmm. the, the summer of 2019. Summer of 2019. And, yeah. <laughs> and... We, you know, I was going to a church at the time and then you were still looking for a church in New York. Mm -hmm. And I remember we ended up sitting next to each other in a service and at the end of service, oh no, during the service, do you know how just certain people capture your attention? you be trying to worship and then it's just like, who is this? beautiful person like <laughs> worshiping God it was like so pure-hearted mm-hmm. and uh, authentic that's that's the that's the first like descriptor of you that that I like encountered mm-hmm. like authentic and pure-hearted and then after service we connected and it was just like okay hey yeah let's let's hang out and then yeah. we didn't we didn't like follow up with each other but then- no, Cause you know how millennials are. We, we just be taking people's numbers and then never seeing them again. Right. Which I kind of don't like, but it's just the thing where it's just like you connect and then you have to figure out, all right, do I really want to build with someone
1: right mm-hmm.
0: now in person while I'm trying to build my life? Anyways, I digress. Then the next week we sat by each other again Right? Yeah. And then the rest is history, like I happened to uh be calling over my friend Patrick because I wanted to give him something. And then I was like, meet me call. <laughs> and then it was just like sparks like flew. <laughs> <laughs> come, come come, come, I mean, uh, fireworks. Fireworks, literally. It was just like, have you ever introduced another person to another person? And then you felt like your presence was no longer like necessary. Because I honestly don't even
1: remember looking at you again the rest of that day. It's really bad.
0: You didn't. You didn't. You guys both. So I just, you know what I said? I said, I'm going to excuse myself out of this conversation. (laughs) And then ultimately you guys started dating and now you're married. But uh, I just felt like, and- it was so cool to have like two of your friends marry each other. It's yeah. like two but great just, people.
1: Yeah, thank you. And I just want to say I'm super proud of us because, you know, that that is, you know, we did only meet twice. And then you introduced me to my husband. And then there was a lot of time and dedication given to that relationship. But I think I just want to commend us on we were really good about being intentional on building, not just because, oh, you're the friend of my now boyfriend or maybe future uh, husband, but I really feel like we did a great job at creating that boundary yeah. so that you and I could build as friends separately from yeah. the relationship that you have with him. Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that now.
0: Yeah, me too. Cause now I talked to Patrick once a year, but it's okay. Like I talked to you like I know what Patrick is doing through you but you know it it, it is really interesting cuz I mm-hmm. did know Patrick more than I knew you and then it's kind of reversed now. You know it's yeah, like it's and but I still feel like you I still I feel like you guys are my family like this, yeah yeah this is uh you know a lifelong friendship yeah you ain't going nowhere thank <laughs> you um okay okay so that's how we met we met in 2019 and I'm so excited for you to be on the the podcast today because I just think that you you just have so much to offer and and uh yeah so before we talk about how you're growing in love I want to talk about your hair which I'm staring at right here
1: My hair, my hair. Okay, so... How's your hair doing? My hair right now is super dry. It needs a lot of moisture. Well, I just got my hair cut. Okay, so we snip-snipped about three inches, three to four inches off. And, um, yeah, I neglected my hair while pregnant and into the, you know, first few months after giving birth, um it's just hard being able to navigate hair and all this hair, um, while taking care of a baby. So I have had not been moisturizing it or, or anything. And so, um, when I went to go to the, um, to the stylist, the hairstylist, he was like, I don't know, girl, he, he really, he kind of gave me an attitude because of how my hair was looking in, in the texture, not attitude, attitude, but he was definitely like, oh, girl, like you, you need some attention. <laughs> <laughs> but then he, um, he made me feel good the entire time. Uh, and so let me not, let me not uh, put him in a bad light because he was great. But yeah, so I did something courageous this time with my hair. I've always been very nervous to cut bangs. Um, And every time I go get a curly cut, I get very close to doing bangs. I tell them that I want bangs. And then, you know, they always like cut to a certain point and then let you change your mind. You know, they won't cut it all the way off until after they wash it and reset it. And then once they reset it, then they'll be like, okay, so are you sure you want to do this bang? And every single time that I've done it in the past, maybe three times in the past that I've, I'll i get to that point and I'll be like, oh, no, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do it. And this time he did the same thing. He got to the end and he was like, so I suggest that you might not do a bang. And I said, wait, why? Because I'm really ready to finally commit. And he was like, well, you you just told me that you don't have a lot of time to dedicate to your hair in this season. And I said, I know, but I need to push myself out of my comfort zone. And I always get to this point and I always turn around and say no and, you know, you know, get scared. And I said, no, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Let's do it. He was like, okay. He was really excited after that. <laughs> and so he cut it and I love, 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 love it. And yeah, so it's health. It, my hair is overall healthy because all of the dead ends are gone. But um, yeah, he he encouraged me to do a little bit more, um, you know, conditioning and moisturizing because it is super dry. But but we are grateful <laughs> for hair.
0: I always – the reason why I ask that question is because I always feel like the way we take care of our hair mm-hmm. is a – major indicator of other areas <laughs> of our lives. That's my hypothesis. Wow. That's my testing. So what do you think about that? Like yeah. Is your hair process connected to like other processes, processes that you're experiencing now?
1: Yeah, I think um well just giving given the experience of, of last week of cutting these bangs, I think it shows that I'm in I'm in a turning of a season. I do feel like I'm at the bottom of the hill, starting to climb back up out of the hole, um, and I think that cutting the bangs was a representation of of what that is and and how I'm stepping into something new. Um, and yeah, one hundred percent. Listen, I ne- I neglected my hair and my, because I was neglecting myself in general. And, you know, as a mom, it's really hard to prioritize yourself. Um, because there they're just, you know, other priorities and it's been a challenge for me. So I am, I'm pushing myself to take care of myself and be more mindful of myself, but it, it's not first it's, it doesn't come, um, as for as uh, just, it's not as easy in this season. So, so yeah, you are onto something. It's very, it seems to be really true. Yeah. Mm.
0: So all this season we are growing in love. How have you been growing in love? Oh man, love.
1: I have been growing in love. Well, my daughter has helped me and growing in love in this season, becoming a mom, um, learning more of what sacrifice means, and and learning, like what you're saying, what we were talking about earlier, as far as self love you know, it's learning how to balance the different types of love at one time, you know, holistically. How do I learn to love sacrificially, but simultaneously love self self, not selflessly, but selfishly, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's how I'm growing. I'm learning how to straggle, uh, sit on the fence and 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 be on both sides? Um, yeah, that's that's what I'm learning right now.
0: It's interesting you should describe it that way because I've been thinking about love and oftentimes a lot, obviously this season. Oftentimes a lot of people think that love is just uh, sort of pouring out, pouring out, pouring out to other people. But I'm starting to draw this imagery in my mind where it's like love is about holding space for people that you care about people you're responsible for, such as like your daughter, your husband, right? But it's also about holding space for yourself mm-hmm. to that degree, to, to to that end that you just said. Like, it can't just be you holding space for everybody else and no space for yourself, but it is that tension mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. You know, making sure you're pouring into yourself and and obviously pouring into the the people that you are connected to and it's in your, you know, intimate spaces. So how has it been becoming a mother when you lost your mother at an early age? Mm.
1: Becoming a mother after having lost my mom, it's been very difficult you know, I think, um, there's only so much grieving that you can do at 10 years old and, and, and I, and, you know, it's, uh, losing your mom is one of those things that you will always experience and sit with at several different stages of your life. And, um, and I do remember being encouraged with that, uh, several times in my twenties and, and everything. And, um and i and I remember grieving at different points um in my life and in different ways, but nothing has been like the grieving that comes with having uh with becoming a mom and I think um what I am experiencing is well, my daughter is at an age right an age now where she is loving on me she can she's choosing to love on me and um it's not just me loving on her like i'm not the only one uh cuddling up next to her and she'll she'll take her little face and bury herself into my chest and into my neck and you know and she's expressing love towards me and seeing her um do that so naturally and so innate you know, it's it's just secondhand for her. And seeing that has made me realize, you know, what I haven't been able to express to my mom and what really what my soul desires, the kind of connection and love that my soul desires that only your mom can give you. Um, And so it's been hard because it makes those feelings come up and it, it shows you the love that you're missing, that's been missing. You mm-hmm. know? And um, and it's scary and it's it freaks you out a little bit because, you know, you recognizing that love, I, I I become afraid. I'm like, oh my gosh, what if something ever happened to me and then she's now not experiencing this kind of love. And, you know, I have to battle that with prayer, but battle those thoughts with prayer. But um yeah it's it's really um you know, they to talk about how love hurts. It's a love that hurts. It's a love mm-hmm. that hurts. and um yeah, so it's
0: it's been difficult. yeah, what are the things that you hold on to when you think of your mother?
1: uh her smile my mom had a really um memorable smile and um, when her whole face lit up when when she smiled i remember um how she made other people feel and people oft- often remind me of that um you know if i if i see any of her friends they always talk about how kind she was, how giving she was, how loving she was, how selfless she was. Um, And so I always remember that. I always remember the last, I think it was a year and a half of her life. Trauma makes you forget how like time is all, you know, just uh, blurry with trauma, but I think it was the last year and a half of her life when she gave her life to the Lord. And one of my strongest memories of my mom is seeing her on her knees worshiping um, and, you know, praying and reading her word, reading the word and being really devoted to to God. Um, and so I
0: hold on to that.
1: Yeah. Mm. Those are the things I hold on
0: to the most. She sounds beautiful. Yeah. She sounds like you. Oh,
1: Yvonne. Yeah, she does.
0: Yeah, you, you know, it's so interesting because I think that the world talks a lot about like fatherlessness and the the absence of fathers. Um, you know, whether it be to neglect or uh, loss or just, you know, death. Um, But there's still so much to be explored about the effects of losing a mom, not having uh, a mom, a functional mom present. That is the case with me. Um, You know, it's weird because some of my closest friends, have experienced the loss, like the physical loss of their mothers, and for me, am I am I about to am I getting emotional? No, <laughs> oh, okay, girl, you let know, it out. Let it you out. You <laughs> know, and for me, it's it's a, it's a little different because my mother is still alive, but she's she was, she hasn't been active, you know, in my life since I was eight. And, um, you know, here and there, there have been interactions and, um, but my dad raised us. And so I really relate to you. Like my dad would perm our hair and, uh, you know, he did, right. He did the best he could. And, and uh, but the loss of, you know, having a mother present, its it's something that you can't really explain to people especially as a, a young girl, it's like mm. navigating womanhood is, has been, like, even as a 32-year-old, it's just sometimes I feel myself longing for a mother, like someone yeah. to mother me. Like, I, I just literally want to pick up the phone. Be like, God, like, I need a mother. Still, mm. in my big old age, like, I still feel like I I long for that. Yeah. Um, So it's just a unique experience.
1: It is. And it is really hard to explain. And I think people try their best to empathize. But unless you are someone who uh, lost your mom and at a pivotal age, like what you're as young as we were, um, it's really hard to fully grasp the weight of it and how it continues to infiltrate, you know, all the spaces of your life. Um, and it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop.
0: doesn't love that. Who taught you about your body and sex and uh, just like men and, who? how did you learn that stuff? no one sat
1: me down no one sat me down which is why we did all kinds of crazy and it, w- it was not good <laughs> um no yeah no one no one really sat me down to teach me I think the the I remember having like the sex education classes in school in middle me school, too.
0: school yeah don't and have sex because you're going right. to get syphilis gonorrhea herpes that's what I remember
1: yeah, and I rem- I remember the you know banana demonstration and you know all those things, and I think that's the most education I really got until I got to college, and I think, it, it in, in really submerging myself in a Christian community, and that just turned into okay, not no education, just no, no, <laughs> like nothing, <laughs> like just don't do, it's bad, and um, yeah, so. Girl, I'm definitely part of that generation that didn't
0: talk about those things. So
1: yeah.
0: Well, big ups to you because you're a phenomenal woman.
1: Aw, Eva.
0: When she she says that poem, phenomenal. I'm a phenomenal woman.
1: Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
0: Thank you. Yes
1: you. Yes, you. Thank you, sis. You too. Mm Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank I'm, you. I'm grateful for, you know, the people God has put in my life that have shown what mothering looks like to me, you know, and I, I, God has been really gracious to provide so many mother motherly figures in my life to keep me and to pour into me in different stages. And it's necessary.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So You meet Patrick, and you guys Mm -hmm. get married. Mm -hmm. And were you, at the time, were you planning your pregnancy? Like, did you, were you, was it a surprise? Like, what was that journey Mm -hmm. like? Yeah, when we first got married, we were not ready to
1: have a baby immediately. And so, you know, we um, decided to try not to have a child. And then it just didn't take us long to be convicted about that. This is just us and how we are, you know, to the person that wants to hold out. Listen, I understand. And, um, but that wasn't us. We, we were like, you know what, we're just going to give it to God. (laughs) We're just going to let him write the story. (laughs) And so that's what happened. So that, yeah. And then we ended up we did end up getting pregnant the first year and unfortunately we lost that baby. And um yeah, so then the the second time around it was you know, we, we lost the baby. It wasn't just a normal miscarriage, it was an ectopic pregnancy, which I had no idea what that was when it happened to me and how dangerous it was. I didn't realize it was life threatening and um for, for the mother. And so what yeah, what is an
0: ectopic
1: pregnancy? Yeah, so an ectopic pregnancy is a pregnancy that happens um in the fallopian tube and does not move its way into the uterus to plant itself into the uterine wall. So, um it kind of gets stuck in the fallopian tube and then there's a, it it could potentially continue to grow um and it can burst and um, you can bleed out internally. Bleed out. You can bleed internally and and die as the mother. So, um, yeah. So that's what happened, and so we had to have uh, an emergency emergency surgery and had to remove uh, one of my fallopian tubes. And so it was um it was traumatic and so traumatic that you know we were scared. Well, scared. I was scared. Yeah, to get pregnant yeah. again. Um. And so it was, it was an act of faith um, pursuing pre- uh, pregnancy again after that. And so um, it took a while. But once I, once we felt ready again, you know, we were open again to becoming pregnant. And, yeah, six months later,
0: ended up pregnant. Yeah. Just listening to you, it's like the process of becoming a mother is so vulnerable. Mm. It's so like, it's so vulnerable. Like you are literally creating another human in your physical body. Mm. And, And just the process that you have to experience and, you know, just the risk that comes, with that. And did you, there's so much kind of conversation about black women and just the process of like, um, navigating motherhood, like pregnancy and and the hospitals. Like, was that, did you feel like cared for? Did you feel taken care of, um, by your doctors and everything like that? Did you feel heard and listened to? Yes, I did. I did. And, and if anyone um, is in
1: Brooklyn and, or the Manhattan area. I think they're all over Manhattan now um, and ends up pregnant. There is a birthday... Well, they're not a birthing center specifically. It's a group of midwives. And this pregnancy center was amazing. Um, it's called ULA, O-U-L-A. And they are very aware of the statistics of Black women and the mortality rate, and the fact that we're not heard, et cetera. And so, um, it was the grace of God that they had openings when we were pregnant, and they were able, and that our insurance took them, and all of those things. And so, I had such an amazing experience with them. Every single time we sat down, I fully felt heard, and they were patient with me, and Uh, They actually start every, you you meet with all, I think it's like seven or eight midwives over the course of the pregnancy. And then by the end, when you deliver, you deliver with one of the people that you've met with. And each time you come to the office and sit down with them, they begin their entire spiel with, this is what we know about the statistics. And I want you to know that I'm aware. Just so like they off the jump, They, it's, it's. I guess it's mandated for them to bring that up in conversation if they're dealing with an African American um, client, so or patient. So, yeah, and and what I love too is um, they really respected Patrick and Patrick's voice, and um, and I think that that was really
0: helpful. Black father as a black man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was just an, a really great experience, and uh, the hospital that we birthed out of was uh, outside of the Ula uh, midwives. It was not the best experience, and but that Ula midwife was our um, our advocate, one hundred percent. And you know there were times throughout the process where we didn't like a particular nurse, and she would go and handle it. What? And, yeah, girl. It was amazing. amazing.
0: Yes. So so the midwife really acts as an advocate for the child or the mother or both?
1: I think both, but more so the mother. And I think it's definitely the way that this particular uh, office runs.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure if it's always like that, but that's how they were. So essentially what you're saying is if you're a Black woman, you need a midwife.
1: I'm not necessarily saying that. I'm saying as a black woman, you don't want to do it alone. And if you want to make sure that someone like a midwife or an a doula uh-huh is there with you. Um so that they can advocate for you. But not necessarily a midwife. I think you can, you know, you should stay open to an ulaf if a midwife isn't available. Um Yeah, it's I mean, there might be cases where that it's not needed. But, yeah, I do think that it's best to have a midwife or an ULA.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, Ula. a doula. Me. <laughs> I was like, what's a ULA? <laughs> <That's the thing. laughs> I yes. said, is that a new thing? A yeah. And then it's a
1: doula.
0: <laughs> no. A doula is there the day, like, to help you actually give birth. Yeah,
1: the doula it. Yeah, you can't quote me on this, but I think it's something like the midwife uh, went to school for it. They are a nurse as well as a midwife, and they're able to do certain things that the doula cannot. And the doula is there more so support, you know, providing comfort, helping you to um, do different exercises that'll, you know, get you going, get that baby out, you know. Uh, which a midwife can do that as well, but they're more so focusing on like the medical. They 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 have the knowledge of the medical side of things, whereas the doula doesn't necessarily. Do you know what I mean?
0: I think yes. that's what it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. So your second pregnancy. Second pregnancy.
1: Oh, girl. I thought you were trying to say I was pregnant
0: right now. I was like, Wait no, 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 no. Your second pregnancy. <laughs> You had yes, a lot yes. of support. Actually, if you don't mind, I would love to know because there are so many mothers who have had uh miscarriages.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, you know, when you shared that with me, I I was, you know, you, you saw my I mm-hmm. I was it it was it just makes me even emotional. But like, how would you suggest for people around the couple to be supportive? Um,
1: yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, understanding that it's a loss um, and being mindful of how you encounter that person, um, you know, tangibly, obviously doing things For them, you know, we had a lot of people send, send, uh, like gift cards for meals. Um, you know, some people cooked, that was really helpful. I think also remembering that the woman, if, if, if you're totally ignorant to the whole process, it's painful, it's physically painful for the woman. And so, you know being there to help help around the house and um you know help maybe put a, a load of laundry in maybe sweep or something just doing something for them to you know cuz it's, it's they're they're not going to be in a comfortable place physically and i think also just sitting with sitting with and allowing them to cry allowing them to feel um is also helpful.
0: Um, yeah. There's some
1: things I can think of right now, yeah.
0: I think that that the, the same things you suggest suggested is what people can do when people experience loss in general.
1: Because mm-hmm. I
0: think that most of us get really awkward and weird when it comes to uh, loss. And I remember when I was in college, Someone older than me, who who I was close with, she experienced a miscarriage. And when I heard that, I freaked out. I didn't know what to do. So, like, I didn't talk to her. Mm. Did not talk to her. And I hate that I had that response. But I think a lot of people freak out when when loss occurs because they feel powerless. You know, they can't bring that person back. They can't take away the pain um they just kind of have to be there and mm-hmm. attentive to the person's need um and even if that just means like your silence but yeah so that those... and
1: and and I think there is grace there um I also had a friend that had a miscarriage at a point in my life where I was just I was in my world I was doing my thing I was living my my best life and best life. yeah and I didn't have I didn't stop to to think through the information that she was giving me and how I could be there to support her, and I didn't. And so, you know, it's there's always um, space to uh, bounce back mm-hmm. and do it differently next time. But I hear you. I think a lot of people are afraid of of those spaces and don't know how to sit with and get in the muck and mire with people. But um, I think it's. We're just kind of all afraid, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it's not just you. Definitely.
0: So you are going through your second pregnancy, your support, you feel supported and your body is changing. Mm-hmm. Your body is changing. Like there's literally a human life in you
1: mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: Are you aware of this happening when you're like how how are how, how are you feeling like in your body as the pregnancy is moving forward?
1: Um yeah. Well, at first really sick. I had, you know, nausea and tired, fatigue and, and all of that, sleepless nights and using the bathroom all the time. So yeah, you're definitely aware of those changes and then you see your bump. Your, you know, stomach start to grow, and your, your, um, boobs start feeling sensitive and hurting, and just, you know, your, your face starts changing, and oh, your back starts hurting. <laughs> you know, until you do, you feel your feet grow, and um, there's so the many. The is expanding. Yeah, your your whole uterus is expanded. So crazy to think that when you see a woman, a full belly, you know, pregnant woman, you're actually looking at her uterus. Isn't that crazy to think? No, that's the uterus. Yeah, girl, you're looking at the uterus. I mean, no, we're not. No, we're yes, not. The baby's. If you can, I'm talking about when she's big enough to where you can see her bump and you can see the baby, especially like month eight, month
0: nine, into that's like the uterus. Yeah, girl, it's the baby no. right there. No, please stop. No, the bump is the... I thought that's the stomach. No, girl, it's the uterus. <laughs> Get out of here. No, I'm I'm dead serious. Yeah. I thought, oh, serious. Yeah. I'm just serious. Like, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, don't make fun of me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes,
1: that is the uterus. And it's very crazy to think that that's what you're looking at.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow, Mm -hmm. I am I just learned something literally. This is this is what happens when you didn't grow up with a mom. Some things you just don't know. I mean, like, and that's not an excuse to not know it. It's just like I literally thought that that was the stomach. Yeah. (laughs) I know, I know. Okay. So you have the baby and now she's here.
1: Now she's here.
0: I know. What has that been like?
1: Oh, sleepless nights and oh man, lots of, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's just sleep deprivation is what it is. (laughs) It's, it's torture. Um, no, um, yeah, it's, you know, especially in the beginning, it's a lot of, breastfeeding or if you're breastfeeding, I mean, that was for me and figuring that out and pumping and nursing bras and clothes that now fit you because, I mean, clothes that, you know, don't fit you. So you're in your pajamas and that's how it was for me. I mean, not everybody, some people, they experience the blessing of a bounce back that ain't for everybody. So yeah, it was hard. It's like, You know, after giving birth, you're bleeding a lot and you're uncomfortable still and your body is slowly adjusting back to it's depleting is what it is. It's depleting. There's actually a book that I started reading called Postpartum Depletion, and they talk about just how much you are taking out of you in the process of birthing a child from energy to nutrients to milk to um Taking away sleep to literally everything um is being poured into this human. So um it's hard. It's the most challenging thing that I've done. Oh goodness. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and listen, for some people that uh, that's just me and my story, okay? Some people uh-uh. they have grace. I like, I like to call it the grace for mothering. No, seriously, some people, it's not the case. It's, it's an, it's an easier transition. Maybe they are okay with less sleep.
0: Maybe they're. Not uh, the people I know. Not the people. No, there's been, I can't think of one mother that I know that is just like, it's always this period of like, yeah. this baby's taking everything. Like they.
1: and what's <laughs> People tell you, they they like, especially while you're pregnant, they're like, oh yeah, you know, and you ask, you're like, yeah, so any advice on the postpartum period? Oh my gosh, you're just so naive. And there's no words for it. Like even now, I'm I have a hard time explaining that time because you just can't explain it. You just have to live it. You just have to it's just something you have to go through. Um And I think a lot of people get to the other side too, and they forget how hard it was. Um, And so there could be a little bit of
0: that as well, but. Mm. You know what? A lot of mothers describe it as like a sense of loss of their self. Like, and so then when the baby comes, it's like you're tasked to take care of, like, obviously, like, you love this baby, you care about this baby, you want to be there. But then simultaneously, you haven't caught up to yourself. You haven't, you're you're adjusting to this new body, this new mind. Um, Sometimes hormones are out of whack, like brain fuzziness, and you're tired, but you can't get sleep. Right. and
1: That is the worst. That's like... Oh, that you, you can just sob crying just from that right there, Mm. like being Mm. tired and just not being it. Can you imagine if you were dog tired and someone just kept you awake and Mm -hmm. someone, you know, kept you from, from sleeping, it's, Mm -hmm. it's torture this is why this is why the military and the government the CIA okay the FBI this is how they get information from people sleep sleep deprivation it's torture
0: hmm. you know yeah yeah and 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 i would just say that i think as a a woman without like physical kids cuz yeah i like to think that i i'm I mother, I have mothered throughout my life mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. because of the, like the field I've been in. And so I've come across like a lot of young people, mm-hmm. all ages, but as someone who doesn't have like physical children, I think that they're, as the older I get, the more I'm like, wow, right now, my time mm. belongs to me to you, girl, nobody else. And like, I can wake up whenever I want. Whenever you want. (laughs) I can go. I can fly out whenever I want. Girl, you better fly out whenever you you want. (laughs) Listen, I better be flown out. Okay. Okay. I better be flown out. (laughs) Like, I can like do a lot of, I have my independence. No one is like on me. No one is depending on me and just the like i want kids i especially want a daughter right mm-hmm. but just the thought of like mm-hmm. once i have kids that's not like that's 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 a, that's a different life that's a mm-hmm. different life and that's okay yes it is okay
1: That is okay. It's okay to be challenged by that. Mm. And I think as a mom, you know, it's, there's a lot of guilt and shame that we might have on, we might put on ourselves when we think, oh, but you know, I miss the old life. I am a little sad that I can't just go out and do what I please whenever the heck I want to. And I think that it's okay to, to be honest about that. Um, you know, a lot of people want you to just like suck it up and, and be like, Yeah, but you're a mom now. Oh, I can't tell you how many people, but but you're gonna experience life with by her now and you have a whole person and don't forget people want what you have. You know, it's like, no, I don't forget that. And I'm fully grateful for what I what I have. But that doesn't mean that I can't be real about what I feel. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. And yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad you recognize recognize that, and um, and you're gonna be an amazing mom one day, Lord willing. um, You know, prayerfully, the Lord will provide that desire for you. And uh, if should that happen, it I really truly believe you're gonna be such such such, you're gonna be such a blessing to a little girl. Oh my
0: gosh! So don't literally make me cry, Lord willing. I cannot wait. I can't. Well, I can't wait, but I'm excited <laughs> to like look at her. I'm excited to uh, superficially like dress her up, <laughs> like <laughs> baby clothes, and um, uh-huh. yeah. So with that, like, what are some things that you've been enjoying about? Yeah. Mother? Um, I've been enjoying so salads
1: are fun. I really enjoyed this process of watching her eat food. Eat salads. And like literally, I was just telling Patrick, my husband, this earlier. Um, watching the her brain make the connections of what to do with her hands in order to feed herself and to hold her bottle and to I got her these little baby cups to that are open on the top, no sippy cup, whatever thing, and she can and I tried this week. I was like, let me see what she'll do if I just put this in front of her. Let me see if she'll try to pick it up and if she can drink the water herself. And, you know, it was so fun to see the first day she would pick it up and it, and then she would get, get weak and just let it go and the water would spill everywhere. And then she would try again, same day. And she'd be able to pick it up and she'd bring it to her mouth, but she would bring I put her mouth on the top part of the cups so and now the water is spilling down her chest <laughs> wow. and, and I'm like, okay, you know, not like that. Let's try it again. And meanwhile, I'm like, ah, there's water everywhere, but whatever. Um, and so try it again. And she does the same thing that day. It's like three or four times water, just everywhere. And then the next day, she does it again and she picks it up. And she puts it her mouth on the right part of the cup and she drinks it. And I'm like, wow. And watching her little brain make those connections of how to pick up and how to put down. Um, that's just that's been awesome. so cool. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to see her development. Um, and she's very, um, I love her personality. She's very silly and she's a little charmer. Uh, uh, uh Pray for me, um, <laughs> this little girl. So I love I love watching her engage with her dad and engage with other people and seeing her little silly, uh, self come out. She's very playful, and I'm sure every mother thinks all of these things about their child. But whatever, this is <laughs> what I think. Um, yeah. So it's been cool to just see her. And develop and be who she is. Yeah.
0: Recently, you've decided to step into becoming a full time stay at home mother. Why did you make that decision and how do you feel about that decision? Yeah. Um,
1: well, I made that decision for a few reasons. One, it was really difficult for me to balance um, work. And at, at the time, it was not just work; it was ministry, right? So that's pretty all encompassing. Um, and being a mom, and being a wife, being a good wife. I'm a little old fashioned, and you know, I like to cook for my man, and I like to Come cook on now. Let, Let me say this to you,
0: baby. Yeah, this is, this is my... a your day,
1: okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything, I want you. all right? <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I was slipping and i felt like i was prioritizing the wrong things and it was hard for me it was hard for me to um not be present and not have the time and you know this this time frame that i have with her being this age right now only comes once in a lifetime and it goes by so fast and yeah and so you know we i thought about it i prayed about it and you know we figured it out financially, and I was like, okay, this is what's going to be good for me in this season um, because I was wearing myself thin. Parenting is already hard. Parenting in New York City? Mm. Girl. Yeah, it's very difficult, and it takes a village when you're in the suburbs. It takes what's bigger than a village, a city, when you're in the yeah. It takes the world. And, um, you know, it's just in, in the city that we live in, the accessibility, the way like getting, having, uh, people, it's just hard for people to be as accessible because the city makes it difficult, uh, logistically. So, um, yeah, so I needed to be present and I needed to be, uh, I needed to have more time with my family and with my daughter, and so that's what enabled me to make the decision was, yeah, being wanting to be more present.
0: do you feel good about that decision? because I know that oftentimes being a stay at home mom gets like a really almost kind of people look down upon it in right. certain spaces mm-hmm. and and I know it can also be hard to um feel like you're walking away from something you really feel passionate about and, and also working, you know, there's, there's a joy too that comes from working and Mm -hmm. being able to have coworkers and being responsible for certain tasks. So there's a, you know, there's a sense of loss there. How, how have you been feeling about that? Yeah,
1: I um, it's been so surprising how much I have not missed the workforce I really thought that I would. I've always worked. Um, I mean, since I was eighteen, I've worked, and I'm I'm an you know an extroverted person. I love people. I've always made friends with coworkers, and I enjoy the work environment. But man, when it came down to it, it it just was so clear that this means more than work. It just meant more, and I have been able to settle well with that um, and have a lot of peace around it. So it's been enjoyable. And you know what it is, Yvonne, you know, there's always going to be a sense of needing to accomplish something and to try to to, to find your value and your worth in what you do. And that will always be a temptation, no matter where you are, whether that is in you know a corporate office or as a stay-at-home mom and how well I can keep everything running and da da like there's always space for that and and so that's what I've been fighting and and so you know I, I have to challenge myself to it's a mind game. It's a it's a it's a mental battle and I have to challenge myself to make sure that nothing and no one gives me my identity but God. That's it. Being a daughter of God. And being a stay at home mom doesn't give me my identity being um a minister doesn't and didn't get and shouldn't give me my identity um and so i think it all boils down to that it's uh how i view myself and self-worth and being okay with the season like uh letting allowing myself to receive the season that i'm in and that's what this is about um so I've been really grateful, you know. I know there's a lot of people that don't have the opportunity to do it, and they want to. Um, and so I recognize it as the blessing that it is, and and I'm I'm grateful for it. I really am. Yeah.
0: Nice, nice, nice. So, just the final question is really the first question. How? Are you growing in love for yourself in this process?
1: I am growing in love. Um, I think the biggest way that I'm doing that is making time for me, saying no to things. Just because I'm not working doesn't mean I have all the time in the world to devote to everything and anything. You know, there's still a priority. And, um, so making time, making time for myself, making time for healing mm. um being the process of becoming a mom is. It you literally are torn apart and then put back together. Like it's, there's healing that's involved, you know, and for me having lost my mom and, and re and grieving again, and, you know, just all of life's hardships and losing myself and, uh, closing chapters and things like that. Like, you know, it's making space to heal. It's making space to, um, accept and, And learning to love the season, you know, the season of motherhood, even though it's hard, even though there's loss and there's sadness, there's still a lot of joy. And um, yeah, that's what it looks like for me right now to grow in love.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. I'm so proud of you. And I... I'm so privileged and honored to be able to like watch you grow, even if it's like by way of phone and FaceTime, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's been great to see your process, your journey, you, you uh, becoming as Michelle Obama says, like whatever you're becoming may not look like what you were before, but it's beautiful. You, Thank you are beautiful, lot. and let me be the first to say Happy Mother's Day! To you. Oh, you are the first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank happy you. Mother's Day! Can you just let the people know how they can support you in any of the work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram at Lovely call. You know, maybe I'll be um, an influencer one day. Who knows? Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, and just you know, uh, I think a good way to um, support me is being supportive of the people around you. Think of a mother. Think of a friend who might not have their mother. Think think of um, you know just some some maybe someone who just recently lost a child. Or, um, I think that would be not, maybe not necessarily supporting me directly, but it would be supporting my heart for mothers. So that's what you could do.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Lovely me call. Thank you for being here and sharing your story and thank you to, to you that is listening just appreciate you holding space for this conversation. I hope that you are leaving a little bit more encouraged and I hope that you are producing new growth in your life. Until next time, I love you guys. Well, there you have it, a conversation between me, Call, and I. I wanted to just take a moment and wish all of the mothers a happy Mother's Day. I also want to acknowledge those who mother without bearing the title of mother. So the godmothers, the aunties, the caregivers, the teachers, the community leaders, you know who you are. Thank you all for providing love, support, for being nurturing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. As Mikal and I were having this conversation, something came up for me, which is, just how unique of a unique of a challenge it is to not necessarily have a mother that is present whether that's due to loss or that's due to another reason but i know as i've been reflecting on my journey i know that part of the ways this has affected me is just the like just having to always fight through like just always feeling a lack of self assurance a lack of confidence which is really interesting because many of the people that i know who have lost their mothers on the outside or who didn't necessarily have like strong bonds with their mothers on the outside they appear extremely confident. And so when people look at me, they see like a lot of confidence. And part of it is just you learning how to navigate the world and you having to take initiative to learn things, right? But I know for me, there's just always been an internal wrestle around, am I making the right decision? Am I moving in the right direction? Like the le- the the lack of self-assurance that has taken place, and over the years it's gotten better, but it kind of you you kind of I don't I don't know if it all it ever goes away, to be honest with you, and I think that. As I am 32, and I long to have a more active mother in my life. That's something I've longed for since I was a little girl. One of the ways that I have began to mother myself, self-mother myself, is by asking myself this critical question. Yvonne, if you had a daughter or I should say when I have a daughter what advice would I give her in this specific situation and once I think about that advice then I say are you applying that advice in your own life and I th- I believe that that's a way that we can self soothe That's a way that we can self-mother, and it's a useful tool to be able to continue to develop inner confidence, trust our decisions, trust our voice. I don't know if that makes sense. I hope it does, but that's something that's been helpful for me, and I, I just wanted, I thought about that as Nicole and I were speaking, and I wanted to just hold space for you that may struggle like I do with Mother's Day and know that you're not alone and be encouraged. At the end of the episode, if you heard the birds chirping, and I I take that as a sign of hope, that as you grow, whether you're whether you're a woman, whether you're a man, and you struggle with this specific um, pain, that there's extra grace for you. God will literally send you extra grace, extra help to figure out your life and to keep going. So that's my encouragement for you today. Until next time, I hope you are producing new growth in your life. I love you guys.